Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Stephen Mills, research astronomer. Married to his work. Then one night, he sent a radar signal into another galaxy. Now they're sending someone back. If we don't get that transmission from him, our planet is doomed. Hi. Well, hi. She's got 48 hours to save her civilization. And decipher ours. Delicious. That was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I must be boring the pants off you. No, they're still on. Good. We're making progress, sir. She's never made love. You're so stupid. We could have been doing this the whole time. We only met three hours ago. And never made breakfast. Daddy, don't you think this is pretty strange? Marry him. Where did she get a wedding dress on two hours' notice? Did she just carry one around with her in case of emergencies? Daddy, you married a person from another planet. Dan Aykroyd. Your stepmother is not an alien. Tim Basinger. For an astronomer, you have the most wonderful fibers. And you got yourself a handful right now. John Lovitz. Baby! My stepmother is an alien. A comedy of cosmic proportions. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie My Stepmother is an Alien from 1988. Who says I only have good movies in my DVD collection? The studio, Columbia Pictures, the release date December 9th, 1988. The running time, 108 minutes, and it's rated PG-13. The budget was $19 million, and the box office took in... Only $13.8 million, making it the 70th ranked movie of 1988. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 19% rotten from 16 reviews. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 2 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. What we have here is a goofy comic performance by Kim Basinger, weighed down by a turgid script and a decision to use Dan Aykroyd mostly as a straight man. Too bad. This is one of those movies where the credits list four writers and most of the funny stuff is between the lines. Basinger proves here, as she did in Blind Date, that she has a natural gift for slapstick with a plastic face and a rubber body. She always makes a great package and a tight red dress, but this time she seems to be operating her body's controls with her elbows. The screenplay never seems to realize the comic potential of a situation. The title suggests that the movie's point of view is taken from Aykroyd's 13-year-old daughter, played by Allison Hannigan. And if the movie had been told from a teenager's perspective, it might have developed some real possibilities. Unfortunately, the role of the daughter is used mostly for negative scenes. That's a missed opportunity, but even unhappier is the role of the scientist, played by Aykroyd which seems to have been constructed out of spare parts. Everything involving the science in this movie seems to have been watered down from other movies. Since the movie was directed by Richard Benjamin, who made The Money Pit, you'd expect him to go over the top in a scene like this, but basically he relies on the special effects and chooses not to add a level of manic satire. What's left is a bland updating of the opening of Bride of Frankenstein. Dan Aykroyd is a solid presence in the movie, but he's the straight man, the earthling who likes to slave over a hot computer and can't believe this woman really loves him. 
Basinger gets most of the good comic moments in the movie and does what she can with them. But Benjamin and his writers seem to have run short of invention. Most of the plot developments are foregone conclusions. And most of the big set pieces, like a wedding, are handled routinely without inspiration. My Stepmother is an Alien is a great idea for a movie, but it seems to have stalled at the idea stage. And that's the end of Ebert's review. <laughs> so, even though I do own the movie, and I, of course I enjoy it for what it is, Ebert's review is spot on. It's a movie that should have been a lot better, especially with the acting talent involved. My fondness of the film is mostly due to nostalgia. But I will say that the film is funnier than I remember, mostly because of Kim Basinger. Now, the first time I saw My Stepmother is an Alien was at summer camp when I was 10 years old. I totally forgot about this movie until recently uh, when I was at a bargain bin at my local record store that also has DVDs. And what's interesting is that after watching this movie as an adult, I'm shocked the camp counselors let us watch this movie. Uh, There's no nudity and there's no violence. But man, the sexual overtones were definitely inappropriate for a preteen watching this movie. Anyway, that's why I love growing up in the 80s, and I think I'm pretty well adjusted. It's okay. You don't have to sanitize everything. All right, let's get into the main cast. It's pretty much two people. Dan Aykroyd plays Stephen Mills. I covered the bulk of Aykroyd's excellent career in the Dragnet episode. But between Dragnet and My Stepmother is an Alien, he appeared in The Couch Trip with Walter Matthau and Charles Grodin. The Great Outdoors, which I love, with John Candy and Caddyshack 2, where he basically played the Bill Murray character. Kim Basinger plays Celeste Martin. Basinger started on TV shows in the mid-1970s. Her film debut was 1981's Hard Country with Jan Michael Vincent. Now, her big break was as Domino in the non-sanctioned 1983 James Bond film Never Say Never Again, which marked the return of Sean Connery as James Bond. Other films prior to My Stepmother is an Alien, The Natural with Robert Redford, Nine and a Half Weeks with Mickey Rourke, No Mercy with Richard Gere, and the very underrated Blind Date, as Ebert mentioned, with Bruce Willis. There is a fun supporting cast. You get John Lovitz and some early roles for Allison Hannigan and Seth Green. The director, Richard Benjamin, he began as an actor on television and later appeared in films throughout the 1970s. His major directorial debut was 1982's My Favorite Year with Peter O'Toole. He also directed City Heat with Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds, The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, and the underrated Little Nikita with Sidney Poitier and River Phoenix. Okay, let's get into the film. So the opening credits are an 80s rendering of the solar system with Tom Jones and Art of Noises version of the song Kiss, which of course was originally performed by Prince. We then see Ron Mills, played by John Lovitz. He pulls up to a large research laboratory in his Rolls Royce. That night, a huge storm is occurring. Ron's brother is Dr. Stephen Mills, Dan Aykroyd, who is the head research scientist for extraterrestrial intelligence. I think you can kind of see a theme here with movies and Dan Aykroyd and the supernatural. Steven wants to send a radar signal to a point in space that would take 90 years to arrive and then, of course, another 90 years to come home. The head of the company, Lucas Budlong, played by Joseph Marr, is less than thrilled with this idea and he's going to pull funding if Steven pursues his far-reaching studies. But, like any movie scientist, he has to push the limits. Using lightning, we may be able to get a signal strong enough to get out of the solar system. At least that's the theory, anyway. Oh, oh yeah, right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Tell me something I don't know. Oh, 
this way. Secretaries are like animals when it comes to free food. The reflectors line up for 10 days only once every 19 months. And now with all this rain, we've got lightning. It's perfect. Perfect for men like us. Oh, Christ, Steve. When's the last time you went out with a woman? January of 86. No, March of 86. I took Dr. Elizabeth Conway to see the Halley's Comet retrospective. Superb. Did you see it? Sure, a couple of times. How can we be brothers? We don't have a single gene in common. Not above 300 million. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. I'm not leaving a chip. Okay. Thank you. Have fun. We won't have time to switch frequencies. We'll lower it below three centimeters. What? Below? Oh, hey, it's raining out here. I'm getting wet. Ah, oh, this jacket is a Ralph Lauren, and it's smelly. Oh, great, just great. I'm wet and I'm smelly. They're gonna jump all over me. Hey, you guys smell fish? Steven's experiment causes the entire lab to move like a huge earthquake, and of course then you need a bolt of lightning from the storm to cause a direct hit to the satellite on top of the building. Now lightning is the key to any science-related film. This goes all the way back to Frankenstein. And then of course you have Weird Science and Back to the Future and many others. Steven's experiment causes the radar to not only leave the solar system, but it goes out of the galaxy, meaning it moved faster than the speed of light. Unfortunately, all the damage caused by Steven's experiments gets him fired from the lab. He returns home to his 13-year-old daughter, Jessie, played by Allison Hannigan. Now, Steven's wife died five years earlier, and he's raising Jessie as a single father. He's resigned to never finding another woman like his wife, and therefore he only concentrates on his work and his daughter. We then cut to space, and we see an up-close shot of a woman's leg putting on stockings while traveling on a spaceship. The woman is named Celeste, that's Kim Basinger, and she is being taught everything about the planet Earth in a very short period of time by her assistant, voiced by Anne Prentice. In order for Celeste's mission to hit the ground running, it is determined by the assistant that if she is incredibly beautiful and desirable, yes, welcome to planet Earth, the Earthlings would bow to her every request and of course Kim Basinger would fit that bill. Celeste will be on Earth for 24 hours and is the chief extragalactic probus on her planet. Now that she's on Earth, Celeste arrives at the beach wearing a sexy red dress and a giant hat, which looks very 80s and very artsy. She is attending the same party that Ron is throwing at his house that both Stephen and Jesse are at. Of course, Celeste causes quite a stir, not just because of her beauty, but her strange behavior. Like, she's eating one of the discarded cigarettes thinking it's an odeur, <laughs> and then lighting a carrot and trying to smoke it. And then she's doing bat flips. It's actually really funny. Hi. Are you Dr. Steve Mills? Uh, he's, uh, he's the guy dancing with his daughter. Are you Dr. Steve Mills? Yes. 
Will you tell me the composition of your radar beam or not? Oh, which one? Now you don't fool me. Your favorite color is red. Your favorite food is lasagna. And your favorite rocking is pink Fred. Oh. Actually, I prefer green. I'm allergic to all pasta. And my favorite rock is Rachmaninoff. Well, of course you'd say that. And I think it's Pink Floyd, not Pink Fred, right, Jesse? Pink Fred is their nickname. <laughs> Would you hold this for me, please? Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Huh? <laughs> People say we monkey around, but we're too busy singing to put anybody down. What? Do you know what they say? Nixon's the one. Dick Nixon? Okay. See you later, bro. Sailor, I like your cheek. You've broken my heart for the last time. Oh. 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 You've broken my heart for the last time, too. Oh. Oh. Do you have any spinach? My hands are freezing. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish, because I eat sweet spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot toot. Popeye. This bird's for you. Tell me the composition of your radar beam. Wacky gram, right? Encore! Encore! This is a nightmare. The research was all wrong. The food was all wrong. This dress is strange. And what is this thing? This hat is too big. And everything I said was crazy. Now, just a second. Don't blame it all on me. I never told you they use spinach to keep their hands warm. Daddy, who was that? I don't know. But I feel kind of sorry for her. I don't think anybody liked her. Did you? Oh, how are we ever going to get Dr. Steve to transmit a signal now? He thinks I'm a lunatic. Now, just oh. calm down. You've got to go back in there. You. Hi. Hi. Tough room. Look, I'm really sorry how rude I was. No, I... no, 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 no. You weren't rude. You were very entertaining. In fact, I thought you were a professional of some kind. Believe me, they'll be telling their grandchildren about it. Have you by any chance done any interesting radar astronomy transmissions which may have penetrated other galaxies in the last few days? Yes. I have. Well, what happened? Well, it's pretty complex. Try me. Oh, that was, that was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I mean, the uh, uh, second most beautiful. The uh, uh, third. Dog. System. I mean, I blew out every resistance back up in the place, including telemetry trackers. <laughs> Those boys from defense, they were so mad, because that's what they use for tracking missiles. Oh, I must be boring the pants off you. No, they're still on. Good. And then what happened, Dr. Steve? Well, I don't really know what happened. I mean, it must have been something I did in the lab, but... 
Maybe I forgot to take a note or dropped a setting or something. Show me what you did. Show me in your mighty lab. I can't. They fired me. You know, I'm a little cold. Oh. No, would you mind very much if I just... No. Just stuck my hands right in your pockets? Huh? Oh, yes, that's better. Hmm. So, Celeste, where are you from? The Netherlands. Oh, Holland. No, the Netherlands. Oh, for an astronomer, you have the most wonderful fibers. And you got yourself a handful right now. Hmm. I can't get back in that lab. So get a kiss! Does he know how? Of course! I saw him do it once in 1983. I'm a bad apple. Excuse me a minute. Also at the party is Juliette Lewis who is in her film debut as one of Jesse's friends. Now, before Celeste is kissed by Steven, she panics and asks Jesse if she should be wearing a different kind of outfit. Jesse hands her a few magazines, which Celeste then puts into her handbag, and voila, she has a more toned-down look, but it's still very pretty, flowery dress. With her new outfit on, Celeste and Steven go to the lab where he was fired from. The security guard was instructed by Budwong not to let Steven in the building. But, but Celeste says that she's from the Department of Defense, and her handbag spits out a number of ID cards, which is a funny moment. Celeste reviews the calculations and the equipment from the lab. We discover that Celeste's assistant is a small Cyclops snake-looking creature, which is now affectionately named Bag because she resides in Celeste's handbag. Bud Wong finds Celeste in Steven's lab alone and confronts her. Celeste then tosses him out the window and he comically lands on his car by crashing through the roof of his vehicle. It's kind of Looney Tunes-esque. Steven then takes Celeste to the large satellite on the roof where the lightning explosion occurred. While Celeste is only interested in how Steven contacted her planet, Steven, of course, is head over heels for Celeste and for the first time since his wife died, is interested in something besides work. You're shaking. Why? Because I've wanted to kiss you from the first moment I saw you. What? Well, you look so beautiful and so vulnerable, and then you started rhyming and doing all that talking and singing and stuff, and... I mean, I just wanted to use everything I know about radar astronomy to protect you. Would you mind if I kissed you? Does it hurt? Not the way I do it. Now, Celeste has no idea what a kiss is, so Bag projects videos of what one is. First, you get written definitions. Number one, a touch or caress of the lips, often accompanied by pressure or suction. Number two, a chocolate confection made in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We then see movie clips of people kissing, like Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca, Gene Arthur and Gary Cooper in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, then two male Russian dignitaries greeting each other by kissing each other on the cheek. <laughs> then Meryl Monroe blowing a kiss. Then a cartoon where the female character's eyes roll around. All the while, Celeste is mimicking each video, which is 
funny, especially when it's animals, and then slapstick comedy from the Three Stooges. Okay. I have never felt anything like that in my entire life. Do I now have to eat the chocolate from Pennsylvania? <laughs> what? Bag seems to think that Steven is acting that he likes Celeste only because he's a government agent and that he's trying to infiltrate their planet. They don't understand that not only does Steven love science, but he's falling in love with Celeste. Celeste asks if they can go to his bedroom to talk. She has obviously no clue what that implies to Earthlings. And here is the scene in particular that makes it hilarious that we were shown this film in summer camp. Nobody really seemed to think it was inappropriate for 10-year-olds to watch any sort of, you know, sexual innuendo. And really, it wasn't a big deal. But today, everyone is so overly sensitive about everything. Ironically, today, there is way more sexual content readily available to children because of the internet. By the way, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So, I think there should be a Gen Z setting for almost all platforms. And what I mean by this is anything that was created two years in the past, so like from now to two years, that's all the Gen Z, the Gen Z setting will show. Anything past that, so let's say 2019, you can't watch anything. You, you're, you have to only watch uh, something from 2019 to now because then everyone will be safe. We'll just do it that way. And then for, you know, the adults, everyone that isn't offended by everything, you can have the regular setting. But then for the funds that just can't handle anything, you get the Gen Z setting. I think it's brilliant. I think you can use that idea, Amazon and Netflix and all you other streamers. This is why I own physical media, folks. In any case, the sex scene in the film of My Stepmother is Alien is pretty funny. You're funny, you're intelligent, and you understand my work, and now you want to have sex? I want to have sex. Don't you? Do you? Yes. No, I do too. As soon as I find out what it is. <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. Of course. Okay. What is sex? Huh? What? 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 Huh? What? You heard what I said. What is sex? Oh, <laughs> well, give me a second. One second. Ooh, uh, ooh, take a look at this. Sex. One, gender. Two, Latin for six. Three, an expensive store on Fifth Avenue. Four, deleted. Deleted? What good is deleted? Oh, now, don't get excited. Just a second. One little second. Oh, here. Here it is. Your penis is a weapon, just like your rifle. The military expects you to protect it and keep it dry. Huh? All right, men, if you'll open huh? your manuals. What? Is that it? Take it easy. Oh, here's something else. What does this mean, Debbie Does Dallas? Debbie Does Des Moines. Debbie does Dusseldorf. Oh, busy girl, that Debbie. What's this? Whoa! Look behind you. Woo! Do woo! Oh, 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 oh,
can do that. Yes. Oh, I don't. I, I don't believe it. Whoa! Oh, whoa! Oh. Oh. Well, that's disgusting. Oh, I got, I got that, 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 that right there. That's the most weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's why we gave it up 3,000 years ago. Do you think I can do that? Why, sure. Except for fuel, you're human inside and out. But do you want to? Well, the kissing wasn't so bad. Hmm. You're not leaving me here. Oh, yes, I am. I have been ordered to stay with you at all times, to observe everything you do. Forget it. Bitch. <laughs> so Celeste comes out of the bathroom. She's in a negligee. She does, like, some funny dancing, and she's very sexy, and then, of course, they, they end up doing their thing. And here's the aftermath. Oh, Dr. Steve. That was so wonderful. I I feel like I've been hit by a train. And I don't think you need to call me Dr. Steve anymore. (laughs) Oh, Steve. Of course, in this last scene, you never actually see any nudity, and it's more comedic than anything. But there's definitely a lot going on there for someone less mature. You gotta grow up sometime. Anyway, it's amazing what sex will do, because now Celeste no longer thinks that Steven is a government spy. So, while Steven is sleeping happily, Celeste is wide awake and decides to try to gain some more information about Earth. Much like Johnny Five in Short Circuit. She places her hand on the antiquated 80s computer, but she says, oh, that's kid stuff. Now, she can read full books by opening it halfway and placing her arm in the center. She laughs at Shakespeare, screams and quickly tosses away The Shining, and then laughs at a Shirley MacLaine book called Out on a Limb, which was about her new age spirituality philosophies along with UFOs. Celeste laughing at that book would definitely be lost on younger viewers, but it's a really good subtle joke. She then turns on the television and watches Jimmy Durante do his thing in the movie The Man Who Came to Dinner with Monty Woolley. Stephen wakes up the next morning in a great mood to the shock of Jesse. Now, Jesse is genuinely happy that Celeste stayed overnight, which is incredibly mature for a 13-year-old, but hey, it's a movie, right? However, Celeste informs Stephen that she's going home that day, and she's never returning. Stephen, of course, is now fully in love with Celeste and begs her to stay and proposes to her. Now, Celeste has no idea what to do and says that she'll think it over. Bag also has no idea what to do, so they need to contact their planet's high council, and they need a large space to do this. So they go to an empty stadium, which happens to be Anaheim Stadium, where the then California Angels played. The council needs Steven's data, so they agree that Celeste should marry him. As much as Jesse wanted her dad to meet someone, a one-day courtship is a bit quick. And Steven's brother Ron is indignant, like only jo- John Lovitz can be. He thinks that she must need a green card. <laughs> However, when Jessie goes to see if Celeste needs help with her dress, she finds her talking to Bag and then drinking battery fluid like it's an energy drink. Jessie, of course, freaks out and tells Stephen, but of course he doesn't believe her. The wedding happens, so Stephen and Jessie's pet Beagle is suspicious of Bag and tries to bury her. Bag, in turn, teleports a dog on the roof, which causes a bit of a stir. Now, the wedding reception is fun as Stephen and Celeste dance and she falls into the drum set. That night, Jesse seems to totally forget that Celeste drank battery acid and is more focused on her first date with a boy. 
played by Seth Green. Now, this is fun because the two, of course, will later be part of the television version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Where'd you get this dress? Oh. It's oh. him! Quick, Dad! The brush! I'm coming, I'm coming! Here it is! Here it is! I've got it here! The brush, the brush, the brush. The brush. Oh, okay. okay. Easy. Okay. Easy. There you go. Here we go. There you go. My God, you look beautiful. Thanks, Dad. I hope he likes me. I hope you like him. Hi, I'm Fred, the date. These are for you, doll. Thank you. Uh, I'm Steve, Jesse's dad. Hi. This is Mrs. Mill. <laughs> nice to meet you. Mouth jewelry. Huh? Oh, right, my braces. Uh, my wife's from Holland, so they... Uh... Sure. Oh, you wore flats. Great. So, have a great time. Oh, she'll be safe with me, sir. Bye. That kid looks shifty deep. In the meantime, Celeste and Bag need to go back to Stephen's office, back at the lab. Bag uses a fake voice and impersonates renowned scientist Carl Sagan in a phone call to Bud Wong. The voice of Carl Sagan was done by the great Harry Shear. Long, please. It's for you. Hello. Budlong? Is that you? Yes. This is Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan? I think it's Carl Sagan. Budlong, as you know, I've been assigned to the President's Committee on Extraterrestrials, the most important, none more secret committee. No, I, I, di I didn't know that. Well, of course. And he has personally authorized me to instruct you to put Dr. Steve Mills back to work at Haddenkirk Laboratories tomorrow morning first thing. Mills? But he almost blew the Shut place. Shut up, Budlong. No arguments. We can't afford to waste billions and billions of dollars. Have I made myself clear, Meathead? Y yes. Celeste needs to get Steven some food and decides to drive for the first time by herself to a grocery store. And then she buys tons of random items. $416.80. What's this? It's a diamond. I'm sorry, we don't take diamonds at this branch. Money only. Haven't you got anything smaller? So when she gives the checkout clerk something smaller than a $1,000 bill, she then gives her a miniature bill. <laughs> it's that kind of slapstick comedy. What did I just do? It's called a sneeze from the flower. But only humans are supposed to do it. What did it feel like? <laughs> Very funny. Hmm. Very good. Jessie returns from her date and then sees more strange behavior from Celeste, like drinking car battery fluid, removing hard-boiled eggs from boiling water with her hands, and then removing a pan from the oven with her bare hands as well. The next morning, Celeste makes breakfast, which includes an enormous buffet of food. 
Tons of pancakes, waffles, pastries, eggs, juices, hamburgers, sandwiches, a whole ham, and a turkey. Basically the entire menu of the diner she stopped at prior to going to the grocery store. Okay, so Jessie is super suspicious of her incredibly weird stepmom. And Steven is back at work in the lab in order for him to transmit the radio beam to Celeste's planet or it will be destroyed. So, what will happen next? Okay, it's an 80s comedy. You can probably guess it's going to be ridiculous and everything's going to be alright. Alright, is this a good movie? Eh, not really. <laughs> it's, I, I will say it's super fun. Kim Basker does a really good job and, and she's really funny. If you're looking for random, turn off your brain flick, this fits the bill. And, and plus, as I said in the beginning, it's nostalgia for me. I can pretty much watch any 80s movie, no matter how bad it is. Also, I, I think in addition to Kim Basinger, Allison Hannigan is great as Jesse. Jimmy Durante, from the man who came to dinner. Oh, there's a lot of nice things in here. Hello up there, you omnipotent super beings from some other dimensional planet! Hit it! Did you ever have the feeling that you wanted to go? Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay. You, you knew, knew it was, was right, wasn't, wasn't wrong. Still you knew you wouldn't be very long. It's tough to have the feeling that you wanted to go Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay Start to go, change your mind Start to go again, but change your mind again It's tough to have the feeling that you wanted to go Still have the feeling that you wanted to stay Don't rate me, but so la-dee-do I go I stay Alright, some fun facts. As crazy as it might seem, the original pitch for this film and the script of this film in 1981 was a drama about child abuse. Once the script was picked up by Paramount in 1984, they changed the script completely and they turned it into a comedy. Bette Midler, Julie Andrews, and Raquel Welch were all considered to play Celeste when the film was under Paramount. Once they dropped the project, it then went to 20th Century Fox, who then considered Sybil Shepard and Joan Rivers as the lead. Now, what's funny about Joan Rivers, because she played Dot Matrix, the kind of the CP, C-3PO character in Spaceballs. Now, it, it turns out the projections of this film was high. They thought it was going to be a box office smash. Because at the time, Los Angeles Mayor Tom Bradley made December 9th, 1988, an honorary Stepmother's Day to coincide with the film and honor the role of stepmothers. Probably not a highlight of his tenure. <laughs> And Alicia Garancid, who played Becky on Roseanne, she actually also auditioned for the role of Jesse. Again, is this the greatest movie? No. Uh, if you can find it somewhere, again, you're you're not going to... It's a turn-off-your-brain movie. It's a popcorn movie. You can watch it. You can have fun. If you like... Uh, what's, what's interesting about Dan Aykroyd, besides Dr. Detroit, he really never started in a movie alone as the main star. He needed someone else... Uh, to almost have an ensemble cast. And this probably goes all the way back to his Saturday Night Live days and, and working with with John Belushi and actors like that. So for me, again, the highlight, no matter what you think about this film, Kim Basinger is great. So even if you just want to see Kim Basinger do her thing, I think you'll enjoy the movie. And I will be back next week, probably with a much better film. <laughs> Who knows? It's random, and it has to come from my DVD collection. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. 
Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.